You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. friends welcome back for another episode of the wizard factory podcast tonight we're joined by guest ryan bowditch and um ryan uh welcome to the show thanks man pleasure to be on here brother absolutely man um would you like to say a few words to sort of introduce yourself and let people know who you are and what you do yeah well who i am is a little bit more complicated but what i do Put yourself in a box real quick for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, I, I like playing this box game, man. It's fun. Um, so what I do is I take people on transform, uh, transformative retreats. I do online coaching. And I am very uh, an avid Muay Thai practitioner, jiu-jitsu. Uh, I love surfing big into yoga, basically anything that allows me to experience life from a more embodied viewpoint, that's what I do, and I, I try to teach my clients the same. That's a awesome. great way to put that, man. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and definitely uh, some, some commonalities there, you know, uh, philosophically, so, you know, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what we're looking to get into a little bit tonight, so the title of tonight's talk is Let's Get Weird where we'll be unwrapping the present. Um, so, you know, obviously right there, we're, we're hinting at the fact that the, the, the present moment really is the, the highest and most precious gift of life itself. Um, Brian, would you like to, uh, you know, take that and, and carry it a bit? Absolutely. So the web of weird uh, that you know some of our uh, viewers may be familiar with already uh, is referring to uh, in the mythology of uh, the Norse understanding there are three giantesses known as the Norns, uh, and their names are Urd, which is that which has been, you could view it as the past, Vurgandi, which is the ever-becoming present moment, and Skul, which is debt or the future. Uh, and how the understanding works is that, you know, every action and choice that you take in Vurgandi, the now, is instantly becoming Urd, the past, which is reflecting a school, a debt that you will experience. Um, but you're going to always be experiencing it as the now so there's only ever that that present moment that time to really step into that if you want to create a past and a future that that you really want to have be your story you have to take that action in the now um so that's kind of a short summary into that so it, it's really this whole episode's going to be about stepping into that present moment stepping into the power of the now and taking action towards you know what you want to achieve right so, Ryan, do you have some, you know, you want to add on that, that introductory idea? Um, I mean, yeah, I love the idea of, and it's really a really important one, that everything we experience is always experienced from the now. I think that's really easy to forget that, that um, there is no experience without being right here. Even the thoughts, even the ruminations flowing away in the clouds, you're still always in your body. And um, I think that's 
there's a lot of comfort in that. There's a lot of comfort in knowing that, man, if I'm still breathing, if I'm still sitting here talking to you guys, my life is okay. No matter how much perceived stress is out there, it's just an illusion. Hmm. What's that bringing up uh, for me there, you know, Brian, imagining this, you know, it's it's the web of weird. It's being woven. And uh, I picture this imagery of, of sort of a braid. So think of when you braid someone's hair, it's three st- three strands where – you know, they they're seemingly separate you past present and future but they're all kind of interweaving and at some point you don't it, it becomes one thing you know and that absolutely is an illusion so i mean that seems mm-hmm. like a good allegory for it absolutely so you know when we had chatted a little bit before one of the kind of the big things that came up for us that you know the ways we rob ourselves of the present moment is staying in the victimhood mindset um, and Ryan, I know this is one that you, you know, you like to talk about, um, would you like to kind of riff on how, you know, that staying in that victimhood mindset is just only keeping you disempowered and you're really robbing yourself of, you know, what you really need to come back and in, into the present moment, um, and embracing it from an empowered place of being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the first phrase that comes to mind is everything's happening for me not to me. Uh, I say that to myself a lot. It's really because, I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. Either things just happen to you, you're a victim, you're just a reactionary force with no intentionality and no control, or you have full power, full ability to decide and to, to make meaning out of things in life. And so, man, I think about all the, the stuff that while it was happening to me, felt really bad, felt really scary, felt really, you know, fucked up. And then when I have perspective and I can look back, it's like, oh man, that was actually incredibly beautiful because it got me to where I am now. And that, that, that mm-hmm. then the other thing got me here and this and that. And you just look at all of life as one big opportunity to grow. I mean, even the hard shit is just a chance for growth. So Right. To be a victim means you, you, you have no power. Uh, everybody's doing this to me. Society, my race, my, my, my privilege, right? All, all these different things that people will label at you depending on how you look or how you talk or where you're from. All of these things are more of an influence on your life than you are. And I just think that narrative is such bullshit, man. And, um, you know, I, I come from... A single mother, deep, deep poverty. I mean, I remember one Christmas we rented a movie and bought a bag of M and M's, and that was that was our Christmas, right? And like, I was a high school dropout. I had all of these things that that uh, you could say were bad things happening to me, but quite the opposite. And I look back down, like, man, I see kids that didn't have to struggle whatsoever. Their lives aren't ones that I'm trying to emulate of the people who right. have been through the struggle and grown from it, those are the people that just blow my mind, um, specifically Navy SEALs. I, I, I'm obsessed with reading Navy SEAL literature because they are the most empowered people ever because they constantly put themselves through things that make them grow. So to be a victim is, is not, in my, not in my energy. Mm-hmm. 
No, what, what it brings up for me is that, you know, especially a lot of times, like when people are stuck in a victimhood mindset, you know, uh, for example, like if they're staying stuck in the past, you know, because of, you know, some trauma that they experienced or whatever that is, and they keep thinking about this, but one of the things they do is they're constantly reiterating to themselves uh, what their story is, you know, and how they're looking at it, how they're energetically reacting with what that event was. And, you know, I think that was something good that you're hitting on there is you can choose to shift and change how you're interacting with those experiences and whether you choose to take it as, you know, that experience happened to you or that experience happened for you as a, as a way of giving you a challenge so you could grow through that. Yeah. Like, like, I kind of see it as you're taking on that role of becoming the alchemist where, you know, no matter what life hands to you, that's raw material that you're just going to take that and, and transmute it into, no matter what it is, transmute that into something that you can actually use as energy, as, you know, fuel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joseph Campbell that's being said, empowered. Shadow, eat it for fuel. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and one of the things that, you know, I kind of wanted to bring up here is that, you know, whenever we're not taking action towards, you know, whatever we want to achieve, we're not taking action towards bettering ourselves, we're kind of by default taking actions, you know, and making choices that aren't leading to that growth that we're really wanting to see. So mm. if you're really wanting, if you say you're really wanting to grow, like you have to start stepping back into the now and taking action like in, in every moment. And it's, not just this black and white thing, you know, um, like a light switch. It's this continuous process of having to choose and take action and choose and take action, even when you uh, encounter a lot of that adversity and challenge, you know, because that, that, again, those are the tests that are going to allow us to be able to dive deep within ourselves and discover parts of ourselves that we may not have known were there. Right, because, like, what we keep coming back to is – Choosing to do nothing is still a choice. So even if you think you're, you know, absolved of your responsibility by just that, again, with the, the the victimhood is is another, you know, manifestation of that of just not not mm-hmm. doing anything and letting life just blow you all over and just be, oh, woe is me, you know. Awesome. Um, you have any thoughts on that, real quick, Brian? Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this the other day, but. Um, you know, one of my heroes, Jocko Willink, he's a Navy SEAL commander in the Battle of Ramadi, and his whole philosophy is extreme ownership. And that goes hand-in-hand hand with transmuting the victim mind state. It's like when you just decide everything is my fault, all of it, man, everything, it's just 100% my fault. And what I mean by that is, okay, yeah, I'm walking down the street and I get robbed. Was that my fault? Maybe, maybe not. There's a lot of things you could look into about why that happened. But let's just say, on, on, on the surface, it didn't look like that was in any way my fault. What is my fault if, is if I decide to interpret that as I'm helpless, I have no control, nothing, and yet I'm still standing here, still speaking. You know, I'm still able to survive. So that situation, I could either allow it to make me grow or I could say, damn, that's so messed up. All this shit always happens to me. All this shit always happens to me. One person takes all those experiences and just becomes an absolute um, a leader, a man that you'd follow into battle. A, a woman, 
that you would be the, the mother of your kids, right? A straight up empowered leader. You're like, man, she can take a lick, lick it and keep on ticking. You know what I mean? Like nothing stops her. And it's like, there's, there's safety, immense safety in surrounding yourself with people that you know, no matter how bad shit gets, they ain't giving up and they're not going to let it crush their spirit. They're going to grow, they're going to evolve, and they're going to keep going. And like, I just feel like it's, it's, it's kind of a mind fuck to be like, wait a minute, everything's my fault? That was my fault. That was my fault. And it's like, yes, everything is your fault because we are all autonomous, free individuals who can choose how we direct our thoughts, how we, how we tell stories to ourselves, and what day-to-day actions we do to either grow or to stagnate. Well, yeah, I want to add some caveats there because I've definitely, you know, really contemplated this scenario before and, and, you know, where where are those lines, where do I end, where does the world begin, all those all sort of things. So, you know, um, it's important to kind of balance, I completely agree with what you're saying, but then also you have to consider that the person who robbed you is also a free individual who can make good or bad choices such as you know uh, stealing things like that and that that is on them they're solely responsible for their actions as you are solely responsible for your actions so you are responsible in that a you know you chose to be there sure it was the wrong place at the wrong time you didn't know any better but there's partial responsibility simply because you you know you walked into that alleyway or wherever it happened you also can think ahead about what is your preparedness do you carry a weapon like are you prepared for those kind of scenarios and then if you end up getting hurt or you know there's nothing you can do about it well what could I done to avoid being the you know the victim that I was in that in that situation like so Mm -hmm. it is kind of a shared thing you know for me like I was bullied a lot in school and you know in no way is 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 excusable to to bully somebody, especially you know, a little nerdy kid like I was, you know, a little scrawny white kid. Uh, but at the same time, I took I took as just as much bu- abuse as I tolerated because at any time I could have chosen to stand up for myself, and even if I got my ass kicked badly for it, that would have sent a message that I guarantee would have at least. Uh, you know, been a, a pretty big deterrent from that sort of thing continuing on. So I do accept responsibility for that aspect of it. They're still their own person. They made the choice to violate somebody, and that's their karma too. And I don't, that's not my responsibility, but I own which shit is mine as well. And that's kind of where I like to draw the line in between there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And then, of course, yes, you have control over the narrative as far as how you interpret. So what happened happened, and, you know, that is set in stone. It it happened exactly how how it happened, but then you can choose how you interpret that, and then, like you said, you can choose to, to say, oh, I was just a victim, this horrible thing happened, or you can say, what can I learn from this? How can I use this bad experience to grow into something stronger, more prepared, more self-capable and able to defend myself, whatever, you know, that means. Yeah. Well, like, to to get a little philosophical, um, that, like, there's this book um, called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Have y'all ever heard of it? I have not. Okay, awesome. So this was a a well, well-known, famous psychiatrist in Germany who was Jewish around World War II. And this guy was like, 
when all of his peers were taking flight and, and going to, you know, getting out of there while the Nazi Germany was getting crazier and crazier, he was like, I'm Viktor Frankl, man. This is, this is the same dude who, like, implemented uh, school programs that, that stopped suicide epidemics in his country and all these things he did. He was, like, beloved by the country, or so he thought. And he was like, I don't need to leave here. I'm not going to leave my people. Well, before he knew it, it was too late, and his entire family had been killed, and he was put in um, Auschwitz, you know, the worst, the worst of the worst, right? Uh, of concentration camps and he was one of the very few people who was was able to take really detailed notes uh, he would hide little pieces of paper sometimes just using his mind and he never stopped being a psychiatrist and he sat there and he watched all of the the people who survived and those didn't and he started to notice this really like uncanny pattern between those who survived and those who did not and he was in it for years so it's like he got to see all these people die and all these people live mm. more dying than living and he started to notice that all of the people who stayed alive uh you know with the exception of those who were who were you know forcibly killed but those who just survived the brutality of it all right survived the hunger survived all that um they all had a strong meaning behind the suffering, right? They all create a story. I'm going to make it through this so that I can tell the whole world what went down here so that this never happens again or so that the, the dangers of racism can be exposed. Uh, the, like, I'm, then another person might be like, I believe that my, my wife and, and child are still out there, right? I have no evidence that shows me that they're not. And I choose to believe that they are still there, and I gotta survive for them because one day we're gonna get reunited, right? Mm. A lot of different means. Victor Frankel was was that you know one day I'm gonna tell this story to the world. Sure enough, he ended up telling it to millions of millions. But it was like that one thing of having a strong meaning behind the suffering, <clears throat> literally, was the difference between them living and dying. And um, I find it like everything man can can be you can find positive meaning in everything because you decide me nobody decides it for you it's 100 percent your choice so yeah it, it helps to have good people around you that can like show you fresh perspectives that's why i surround myself with people like both you all of my friends it's like people that challenge my perspectives and say hey what about this what about this and it's like i always find a way to find powerful meaning in everything, every little thing, man. Like, I'll give you an example. We were, uh, we had a little bit of trouble getting the Zoom set up, right? <laughs> I sat there and I watched for maybe like a split second, like, like some little agitation in my body. And I've trained myself to find meaning in the resistance, right? That always comes up. Technology will throw you all kinds of resistance, right? <laughs> I've, I've been through so much of it, I've trained myself to be like, oh, awesome. It's a chance to take presence, take a breath, get in my heart, feel gratitude that I'm talking to two brothers. And it's like, that's the meaning I've developed. Whereas another person might be like, fuck, man, like, gosh, man, what's wrong? It's, it's like, it's, it's meaning is everything. And I'm a big, big believer in that. Mm -hmm. what, what a lot of that brought up for me is, uh, especially in the, the extreme ownership to me, that's really stepping into the mindset of the spiritual warrior. 
you know, uh, in the mythology, you know, one, one of the things we like to reference and talk about is Odin when he hung himself on the Yggdrasil. So he hung himself there for nine days and nine nights as, as a way of seeking knowledge, and, and it's through that that he found the runes. But he didn't ask anyone else to do that for him. He took, you know, full responsibility for sacrificing himself unto himself, you know, fearlessly, um, no matter, you know, what the consequences. Um, and we could really see that in the um, the mindset of, uh, sorry, I lost for a second. We really see that in the mindset of the Germanic tribes in general, the Norse people, that they very much had that warrior mindset of, going out and, you know, needing just conquer life because, you know, not only um, were, you know, they weren't just these ruthless barbarians that, you know, the history has portrayed them to be, but, you know, very amazing, you know, merchants and travelers that made it, you know, all over the world um, in the time, way, you know, with technology that was so far advanced of anyone else at the time. Um, but that mindset that it takes to just take, you know, full responsibility for your action and to fearlessly going, go after whatever that goal is, you know, is, is really what the mindset of the spiritual warrior is all about. So that's um, what that really brought up for me there. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I have a question for you. Uh, and yes. Logan, did, you, did you have anything to say on, on what Brian just said? No. What's your question? Okay, cool. So the question is, um, <clears throat> So I started researching some of these, like the Germanic tribes and like the Vikings and, and mm -hmm. um, all that lineage, and I found some examples of like certainly before Christianity be became a thing, there was like um, what what many would maybe call like um, you know magic or black magic or the occult or 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 paganism or whatever things that have come to uh have negative connotation at least in like a western christianized right. country but um i as i've grown more and more into my my power my experimentation i've gone deeper deeper into things like sex magic intense breath work high emotional states psychedelics uh. right and i was reading some evidence that they actually had these people in in those times there was people that did sex magic they did like stuff that worked with the environment with the atmosphere and um it was like way ahead of its time because that's not even technology on like a, oh this stone is a technology that's like a fucking spiritual technology that, that you are the technology your body you are the technology yeah yes that, absolutely i mean and that's something that um Definitely, you know, as I said before, you know, our, our ancestors were very much um, just, you know, displayed, you know, because history is written by the victor and the Christians were the victor. And they very much have made it, you know, a goal to make our ancestors seem like just these primitive barbarians that were just committing, you know, human sacrifice and doing all these things when that was that's far from the case. I mean, uh, there, there's so much and this is a huge kind of subject in itself, but there's so much evidence to to the contrary that, you know, not only just during the Viking era, but especially before that, you know, very advanced uh, civilization, not in the sense that they were creating large cities or anything, but in the sense of how they operated with themselves and especially on the spiritual plane. You know, there was definitely in, in the Germanic tribes, I think this is a, a very interesting thing that we don't see reflected in a lot of others. Um, there were two magical practices, essentially, one known as Seder, which is about it's more like the sacred feminine, the channeling, um, you know, listening to the gods, getting messages, 
going into trance-like states, things like that. And then there's Galder, which would be, it means to chant, but that's more of like what the wizard would be. It's more learning the science of how things work. Um, and uh, Sather, for the most part, was practiced by women, and Galder, for the most part, being practiced by men, with obviously some, some flow and mixture in between. Um, so I find it very interesting that there was definitely, you know, different magical practices, you know, tapping into the, the fullness of each of the sacred energies. Um, and, uh, you know, but there so much knowledge that was there. I mean, even if you just look at, you know, the, the, the Eishalmer, the Helm of All and the runes behind me, there, there's so much esoteric death and truth in, in the way you can use these together. I mean, I, I could go on for hours on, on how to use these uh, to start specifically working with yourself and developing ritual and discovering things about, you know, not only yourself, and, but the world around you. So I, I definitely think there's a lot of lost knowledge there that we can be tapping into, which uh, I'll stop my ramble there, because obviously this is something I could go on for a minute about. <laughs> yeah, great great question, Ryan. I mean, you definitely, yeah, you what, what you're picking up on there, very intuitively, there's a whole rabbit hole there, man, that goes deep. Yeah, and and magic is a very real thing, and it is a science. And yeah, the absolutely. body is the technology. I mean, there is no separation here. These are all just kind of smoke and mirrors kind of uh you know set up by the the media and the establishment to kind of make it seem like it's all a bunch of harry potter shit or you know like like there's some separation between the real world and magic you know but there really isn't it's all one 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 thing and these are based on laws of nature that are hidden or occult that's what a cult actually means is not available to be seen yet are instantly in, uh, available to anyone who who actually understands it or can discover those things and then use them in alignment to their particular will whether that be a positive or negative intention is this completely up to them but just like you know just like any other tool it's neutral until it's used or applied mm -hmm. yeah what yeah. This, uh, oh, go ahead sorry <clears throat> i was going to say like um you know, this is why, uh, I don't know if you guys ever get into, like, you know, futurists or, or looking at AI or, or te technology, but there, you also talk about a rabbit hole, man. Like, there's, there's, you know, there's two different proposals, but one of them is the doomsday proposal. Elon Musk has been a big champion of this. I believe Kurzweil as well uh, uh -huh. talked about how, like AI could very well, artificial intelligence is on a course now where it could eventually um, decide that we humans were inferior or, or we were not as effective as them and could essentially mutually assure destruction, right? The machines take over. And this isn't just like sci-fi fantasy. There's a lot of really solid science behind how this could happen. But what I don't think that they oftentimes take into account is the human spirit or the magical part of you that a machine does not have and cannot have because it's, it's the divine nation. It's the, it's the divine feminine is really what it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what the matrix is all about. The machines is that it's just a left brain, mechanical, linear, logical, you know, uh, computing brain power 
without the heart-based intelligence, the care. And that's why humans win out in that because of this, because of the compassion and the, the human hope, you know, the human spirit. Those are the things that they, can, they the machines can never, you know, uh, contend with, essentially. What this is bringing up for me here is that we, we mentioned that, you know, we are the technology, and that's really tying into this this energy of the Aquarian age, you know, Aquarius is uh, also known as the air magician. Um, so, you know, it's all about using, you know, empowered individuals, being sovereign in themselves, building community and trying to raise that. And it deals with technology a lot. Um, but it's also about reminding us that we are the technology and awakening within ourselves and our abilities that we have. So um, I think it's very kind of interesting that, you know, we can, this is something that we see a lot of people experiencing uh, and expressing that they're, you know, waking up to abilities uh, or finding parts of themselves that they, you know, may not have known were there. Um, right. And I think, you know, to tie this back to like our, our main theme here too is what, in what state is the imagination, the right brain uh, most activated when you're in a flow state of complete and intense presence in the now. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ryan, yeah. I know you can really go on about some flow state stuff. I mean, you, yeah. you misfits, man. Y'all are some fucking yeah. <laughs> right when yeah. it comes to that stuff. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think that talking about flow states, man, that is, I mean, Stephen Kotler, the guy who wrote Rise of Superman, epic book. If you haven't got a chance to read it, I highly recommend it. Um, but... He, he, he dove deep, deep, deep into flow states, and he actually believes that the flow state is what will, is the only thing that will reverse what most could agree um, environmentally. We're, we're on a, a, down, a down swing, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I saw this picture, uh, two, two really disturbing pictures the other day. One was in, uh, I believe, Indonesia with this really epic wave. It was beautiful, pristine everything except for the trash or the plastic weight there was yeah. all kinds of trash and plastic and just garbage in this perfect wave and then i saw another one where um the tides had formed at like a south african port and as far as the eye could see miles you couldn't even see the water there was so much plastic and so much shit so much garbage in the water and it's like dude like at that pace, we we are on a, a destructive path. We've lost completely lost touch with with nature, with nature, with paganism, right? With like mm, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And Kotler yes. believes that the only way to return to harmony and to um, an intelligence that's deeper than our mind is flow states. And there's lots of ways mm. to do flow states, right? Meditation, right? Breath work, you know, intense enjoyment of whatever you're you're doing. Right. He's like, man, it's, it's back to that one saying that's like the world doesn't need more people. I forget the exact saying, but the world doesn't need more people doing shit. It needs more people coming alive, right? We don't need mm. less do-bitters. I'm, I'm guilty of this, right? Trying to mm. do as much good as I can, you know? Like, it's like the world needs less do-gooders and needs more people coming the fuck alive and loving the mm. shit out of where they're at in a way that's in harmony and, and hopefully – that 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 wisdom, that divine feminine, that that um, the plan. It's the care, the heart based. Yeah. It's the care. When you mm -hmm. give a shit about the right things, about the planet, about each other, you can't help but want to take action on that and start trying right. to fix things and 
and enact more justice and, and balance and harmony into things. It's a yeah. natural, you know, that care is what, you know, moves you to act. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, absolutely. <laughs> no, what, what that, that flow state really reminds me of, you know, what we were, we were referred to a lot of times, um, you know, Logan and I like jokingly refer to as, you know, blowing our woad, uh, which is a reference to, you know, uh, the name of Odin or Woden, which uh, it, woad, which is being in the fury or the state of self-awareness that you're just, that you're just fully immense in that, that now of gaining that's wow. where we get the word whoa. Like when you say whoa, you're overcome with the whoa. present moment of just the, the awe of, of the everything. And then, you know, in just means made of. So Woden, he is the one who is made of the fury of self-awareness. Um, so, you know, when we get into that flow state, we really like to kind of, you know, jokingly, you know, Call you know getting our woes blown there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> definitely, you know, bring a little comedy into it. But yeah, you know, I think I think that's really useful too for getting into a flow state like that is being able to tap into humor. Um, it, I think it's such a, an amazing tool that is so overlooked in its power of of how it can really help us you know come into the present moment of the now. In fact, think about there. this people's favorite form of comedy and in my opinion the most effective and potent form is improv like all the best movies like anchorman and stuff the movie's only half scripted the rest is all just those guys being insanely funny in the moment that's where improv comes from is that present moment complete flow state of just like tapping into that where you get your own ego out of the way and you're just like completely fearless to express your truest self in that in you know in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Same with me when I pick up my instrument. That I'm not sitting there, you know, thinking about, you know, intellectualizing all the scales and, you know, how I look. You know, I mean, of course, a little bit of that. But uh, essentially, I try to turn, <laughs> I try to turn all that shit off. And I just play right from the heart. Like, what note do I want to hear right the fuck now? And then I play that note, and I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. I'm playing it to myself. I'm playing guitar for myself first. And then that mm-hmm. extends outwards. Nice. Yeah. What that brings up for me, too, is like, really, you know, like, let's take a moment to reflect on, like, how much of a present the now is, you know, because, you know, I like, I like to think of this as, you know, to – if you think about, you know, all just the little events, the little things in your life that have led you on the path that, that you've created, you know, we're the accumulation of all our ancestors and all those tiny little choices and those big choices and all those things eventually led to, you know, you existing. Um, I mean, what an amazing kind of gift to reflect on that. Um, so to not want to be present in the now and to kind of stay stuck in the past as a victim, as a victim or you know, always stuck in the future, you know, trying to create a dream, but then never taking action towards achieving it. You know, you're really not, not only you're not honoring and respecting yourself, but I think you're kind of not honoring and respecting, you know, all those choices of, you know, your ancestors that have helped, you know, bring you into creation, into being. Yeah, man. I, dude, I, the, the whole connection with my ancestors, that, that I feel like is like, going to be my next evolution because um i know very little about my ancestors i know very little about my dna my background things like that and um you know i i if i'm really being honest i think that a part of me 
has allowed culture to make me feel shame for being a white person for, you know, Germanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, as I've grown into my own thinking, it's like, and, and gotten to know just the little I do know about um, the different tribes. It's like, dude, when you get to the core of it, like so many tribes function so similar to each other. And um, like, I want to connect to those ancestors, the ones that were in tune with the land, the ones that were, yes. you know, were, were, are still there. And the one experience I do have with that is, um, so I'm a big advocate of, of the plant medicine and boga, right? Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't, don't know what it is, but it's an African root that comes from mm-hmm. the bone. And it's, it's one of the most potent psychedelics on the planet. I mean, you, you eat it, and you're tripping for 40 hours, right? But the, during that, that the, my last journey, I was in between these profound vision states, right? Your eyes are closed. Your body's paralyzed. You can't move. You're, you're in this in, insane journey. Completely. Um, yeah. Disembodied completely. at that point. Yeah, yeah. And um, what would happen to me is I would flash these different scenes um, I'd travel to different spaces. Sometimes I'd travel back to my childhood and I'd see my little child self and I'd pick him up and have conversations with him. I'd hold him. I'd love on him all, all the way to going to my, you know, close childhood friend and watching him kill himself. Right. I watched him create the noose. I watched him write the letter. Like I'm literally, I'll go through all these scenes, whether or not I was traveling through time or whether or not I was traveling through my subconscious doesn't matter. But the, the point of it is that in between traveling to these, these scenes or these really incredible places, sometimes challenging places, um, I'd be in this like dark space and I'd be surrounded by what felt like hundreds if not thousands of, of beings and I couldn't really make, make out their faces, but I could feel them really strong. I could see their like their, their kind of outlines. And they would be like cheering for me every time I'd be going about to go into another vision, another, you know, mental battle. They'd be cheering for me and they'd be like, you're doing it, Ryan. We love you. We got your back. Like, we're here for you. Like, just deafening cheers. And I'd be like, and the way that I interpret that when I kind of came to, I was like, holy fuck, man. Like, that had to have been my guides. It had to be my ancestors. It had to be my angels. It was some force that seemed to know me intimately and there was hundreds of them. And it was like, mm-hmm. now I take that with me all the time. I mean, anytime I was just in a sweat lodge last week and I was, it was a really intense Native American one where they cooked shit out of me, man. I was freaking out, panicking, right? Slapping myself with sage brush to try and like deal with the fear that was just coursing throughout my body. And then I just start praying to my ancestors, to my guides, give me strength, give me strength. Right? be there for me let me channel like that ancient warrior shit you know and suddenly i'm fucking good man and i could sit in that mm-hmm. damn sauna all night if i had to you know it's mm-hmm. like yeah all of those ancestors absolutely um it's specifically one of the ways we teach and, and you can try this um but uh it, in on the helm of all this represents you know midgard and the nine worlds of norse mythology in the realm correlating with the Northwest, that's known as Alpine, and this is the realm of our ascended masters, our ancestors, the, the ones that have really spent time perfecting themselves. Uh, and then, you know, so anytime you're looking for that guidance, you can face Northwest and just kind of sit and listen. Um, I, I find it it's really useful to even 
incorporate it into a daily practice. So, you know, for anybody yeah. listening, you know, that's definitely something to try for sure. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. I definitely want to keep uh, working with you more and learn some of this stuff, man, because it's powerful stuff, dude. That there's so so much there in our in our tradition that and it's so overlooked. Like I said, it's you know just kind of put off as these you know they were just these barbarians that only cared killed about you know or cared about you know slaughtering and killing Christians and things like that. And, and that's just not the case at all. There there's so much wisdom and depth and very fucking rich tradition there to tap into. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I, I found you know in my personal experiences as well as others I talked to that the if when working with the archetypes, the gods of, of that of the pantheon, they're very, very personal and upfront, very much like family, but very intense, very fiery. Um, you know, it, it's such a beautiful tradition, and that and that was really where I found my path is when I started finding my ancestral lineage and delving into that. Just everything started opening up for me, and thing, all the little pieces I had been gathering start clicking and just making sense. Um, definitely encourage everyone to go after whatever their, you know, ancestral lineage is and, and look into it. Cause there, there's a connection there. There's an energetic charge built up with all that psychic energy, with all that care that, you know, your ancestors have been practicing some of these belief systems for, you know, possibly even, you know, tens of thousands of years. That That's a huge charge that's there to, to be tapped into, you know, mm-hmm. and you just have to get back before, you know, we get got cut off from ourselves and from nature. Right. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of ways you can do that. And for me lately, what I've been doing is because I connect so deeply with music and music really moves me and, and, and you know, breaks up stagnation and, and really bring, you know, brings things to the surface. So for me, um, I've been really like getting more into traditional uh, Northern European music, you know, specifically like Celtic style music and Nordic style music. And, you know, uh, the, like the, just yesterday I was listening to some of that stuff, dude. And I was literally brought to tears multiple times because the sound of those instruments, the melodies, the, the, the mm. voices, um, I, I literally felt like I was home, like a, a feeling of home that I've never felt in my entire life, no matter where I lived or, you know, where I was in, in, in the world. It, it was such a familiar, safe, warm, inviting emotion that just came over me from the very depths of my fucking being. And it, it was such a beautiful and moving experience, man. And I'm definitely trying to tap into that as much as possible because I think there's really something to that. I think the ancestors know that I'm using music to try to connect to them, and that's them almost kind of reaching out and touching me and just like, you know embracing me as their, you know, mm-hmm. long lost prodigal son sort of thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Dude. Your DNA is getting activated, man. You have to send Literally. those tracks, bro. Oh hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah there's uh, definitely a great selection of uh, there's a whole genre out there of just mm-hmm. amazing music like that for sure. I actually yeah. just found a, a new uh, new band yesterday. Uh, I don't know if I can. Uh, I think they're called Fawn, F-A-U-N. Oh yeah, yeah. I've sent you some of their videos before. I really okay. like that band a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man, that's good stuff, dude. <laughs> yeah, gets you going. So, um, I have a question so, for you guys. Um, what's what's sure. one way you recommend uh, somebody who doesn't, you know, what's kind of the first step towards reconnecting with your 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 lineage with your ancestors with your tribe um it feels like it can be a kind of monumental task 
I felt that way for sure. So what's like maybe the very beginning step and maybe one more after that? Mm. So I would say, first off, listen. You know, get into that inner knowing. You know, like I said, you know, facing Northwest and just kind of asking for that guidance can be a great way to get guidance. If you, um, you know, look at, you know, a certain, say, pantheon or some gods or tradition and you're feeling drawn towards it or called to work with it, follow that. Um, and usually whenever you follow those intuitively, if you then go and kind of, you know, on the more logical side, do some research, you could do a DNA test, things like that. A lot of times you'll be able to start confirming things and, you know, all these pieces of the puzzle will start coming together. Um, but definitely go after, you know, whatever feels intuitive, you know, develop your own connection too, because, uh, you know, if you look at anybody's ancestors, when you go back before monotheism and things came in, everybody was an animist or, you know, practiced some kind of polytheistic belief system. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's the understanding and the worship and being in the presence of nature. So you can always start by just going back to that, just going to nature and start getting out there and having that same experience that, you know, our ancestors had and things will start coming to you. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side of that, start, you know, trying to do as much research as you can, maybe looking into, you know, when your family might have, you know, migrated somewhere, or, you know, looking at a DNA test or things like that. Um, so th those are the two places I would start. Cool. I second that. So, great. Another big point that, you know, came up for me here is, you know, getting into the now and, and its connection with taking back your sovereignty and your responsibility for, you know, yourself and your actions and the world that you're creating through those. Um, and that if you really, truly want to be a sovereign, free human being, you have to take that responsibility of stepping back into the now, into the present where you can take that, that full responsibility for your actions and the choices that you're making and, you know, both that past that you're weaving and, and the future that you're going to be creating. Um, so I think those, those are two things that, you know, we, I, we could really look at here is how much sovereignty and stepping back into accepting the responsibility of the present, of the now, go hand in right. hand. Yeah, it's really sort of just the inverse of that whole victim mindset thing that we, we opened up with, is this would be the, mm -hmm. pro, the positive form of that, uh, of, of right. stepping out of that and moving into this is like truly owning, you know, all of your choices, your responsibility, uh, and, and your ability to create things from the now. You know, this is mm -hmm. the, you know, tying back to the trivium as well is like the now moment is when we are weaving into that web of weird, that which is our fate and our destiny and our karma. If we're, you know, mm -hmm. and that's karma, by the way, tends to get kind of a bad rap. You know, it's, it's like, well, karma's a bitch. Well, only if you're a bitch, really. Karma yeah. is a mirror. What karma is is a mirror. It's reflecting Absolutely. back to your own soul, your own heart. So, you know, karma can very much be just as much positive as it is negative, and that is entirely up to you. Mm. Mm. Uh, earlier in, you know, another, uh, when we were kind of talking before, Logan, uh, you had mentioned the allegory of the two thieves. Would you kind of like to delve, delve into that one here and break, you know, introduce that for people who may not be familiar with it? Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, of course, this is in no way a... a, a 
the plug or promotion of Christianity, but if you can look at some of the imagery in like the crucifixion, allegorically, um, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, and that could represent the past and the future. So essentially, the, if the present is the gift, it's the present, it's the now, um, then that gift can be stolen from you. Um, and that can, you know, essentially is self-inflicted for the most part. Uh, when you're trapped in that left brain modality, uh, what that leads to instead of that, that now, uh, that flow state, you know, that we were talking about, Ryan, um, that gives way to uh, anxiety and depression, which, you know, anxiety is fear of the future. Depression is regret from the past, generally speaking. And those are things that rob you of the gift of now. Uh, where, you know, and think about having both of those is coming from a very disempowered mindset. Anxiety is a fear that I don't have the power to face what's coming. Mm. Whatever's coming is bigger than me, and I, you know, I'm just going to get crushed under it, disempowered, you know. And then depression or, or regret or however you want to look at that is a disempowerment of doing that transmutation of, yes, what happened happened. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to take that and move forward, learn from it, and don't make the same mistakes that you have before? That's what it really means to take your power back. And, and, and all of that spearheads in the present moment. It's like that razor blade cutting through time at every moment. Yeah. So. Nice. <laughs> Good stuff. So, Ryan, a question that we had for you was, um, what, what has – you know, maybe what are some of the benefits that you've maybe experienced from being able to tap into being weird, being a little, you know, strange or what most people, you know, they, they see you stepping into that, that present moment and going after doing something that they would just like, well, that's not, you know, that's kind of crazy. You know, that's, that's not how you're supposed to do things. And, you know, whatever you kind of step into that place of taking that fearless action and people may seem it as a little strange, like what, what are the benefits from kind of being in that state of being that you found? Yeah, uh, great question. So, I mean, one of the, I'll give you a perfect example, like what I, what I was just doing, right? I'll walk around like this with my arms fully open. My, I'll have my fingers be white. I'll have my mouth, I'll be breathing. I'll do shit like that while I'm standing in line at a coffee shop or while I'm in the airport. Um, I'll start Love doing it. intense breath work and, um, Actually, one time I, I thought I maybe was going to get kicked off the plane because uh, a flight attendant, this this old, really out of shape dude in his 50s, was, like, telling me that I couldn't do breath work because it was, like, you know, it, I forget his logic, but it was, like, he was kind of scaring people or which I was cool with all my neighbors, right? I was scaring him, and he was, like, didn't know what it was, so... I, I got in a little bit of a, of a, of a duel with him. I was like, hey, buddy, you're not going to breathe on the fucking plane, buddy. So yeah, you know, one of those moments that tap into my heart and realize like he doesn't, you know, forgive them because he does not what he does, <laughs> right? But yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's just projecting. Was, uh, yeah, you know, and if I was to be like to allow him, you know, he could be he's he could be a. Um, you know, a metaphor for society, right? If I would allow him to stop what my heart wanted to do, what I know to be amazing for me, what I know to be 
only empowering. considered weird because of the lost art, but if I were to allow him to determine what is good for me, which is essentially whenever we say that, like, I want to do something, but it's weird, so I'm not going to do it, even though I want to, um, we're essentially we're, we're a victim because you're giving your control mm. away to culture, to society, and to oh, other yeah. people, and you're just, you're saying, hey, I don't actually know what's best for me. I'm, I'm too afraid to, like, search in my own heart. I'm too afraid to be wrong. So please mm. tell me how I need to act, and that way I can be accepted and not to be my You're gaslighting own. yourself. Yeah. That's what you're yeah. doing. You're letting yeah, society gaslight you. Beautiful also, answer, man. I love that. <laughs> I had something, too, that I wanted to riff on. In fact, I, th I think it's very, like, serendipitous that this kind of revelation came to me recently as we were talking about this weird word and, and contemplating, well, what does that really mean? Because there's kind of two different con connotations to it where it depends on who you ask. There's two different ways you can interpret this concept of weird. So, you know, because, you know, like – you've heard it where like is this is this guy like is he a good weird or a bad weird you know like which which one is it right so so there's uh the bad weird is where some somebody is is kind of out of alignment with um kind of what's natural right you can almost kind of see it as a parallel of, of normal normal has also a, a good and bad like if i have a tumor on my arm that's not normal, right? And that's like a bad kind of normal, where it's like, well, something's off here. Like, this is not the, the objective goodness and harmony with nature. Like, something is, is obviously a, a, at a disconnect there. Or you can see it as, well, society itself has become so far separated and, and diverged from what is actually objectively good and in harmony with nature that it had to take on its, its whole new meaning. So the irony here is that in this day and age, doing something that is actually in harmony is seen as so outlandish as view as a, a negative thing and therefore seen weird almost as, as if it's like unhealthy or, or just like, oh, like it's very off-putting to people because that's a testament to how far we've become separated from like, you know, what is actually good and, and in alignment with the universe essentially. So, you know, that like the, you know, you can look at, weird those two different ways are you being weird like doing what is your soul's truest desire which can never go wrong because it's it's truly coming from the depths of you who you truly are and who you not from who you aren't or is it weird as in like you know usually it's coming from some kind of place of like an un, you know a, a subconscious trauma or something like if somebody's really socially weird it's usually cuz they've been really traumatized and they don't know how to act around people or something so mm -hmm. like kind of looking at those what's driving those two things you know the motivations behind them mm, absolutely yeah definitely a good point to add in there um, another thing i kind of wanted to point out here you know is that you can't ever put off fixing yourself until tomorrow. Because mm. if you, when you realize that everything is Vardandi, it's always the ever-becoming present moment. If you ever want to fix yourself, you have to do it in the now. Right. Because tomorrow is just it's not there. It doesn't exist because even when it comes, you're going to be experiencing it as the now. So it, when you want to make that growth, you have to start taking action in the now. you really got to start stepping into that radical, you know, responsibility and self-ownership towards things. Right. 
which real quick, you know, I, I actually wanted to add this uh, as we were speaking earlier about the two thieves. Um, you know, we're trying to like really come out of like uh, avoiding black and white thinking. And so this would be an example of like where sometimes people overstress the the present to the point where they're saying that anything else is 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 somehow less spiritual or bad. Look, you know, taking those lessons from the past so you can say, okay, let's look at this experience here, analyze what happened, see the chain of events and the causal factors from that, and say, well, if I didn't want this outcome, here's how I could have done it differently or taken part in it and in in, in steered the outcome differently so I can take that knowledge and move forward into the future with that uh, and at the same time of course you want to look at the future as well make plans you know look at the big picture of this the what is the story arc of your life you know you're the director of your own life movie you want to see like where's this heading where am i going is this in alignment you know and and like if i continue to make these choices what's going to happen maybe i should you know steer course from here those things are good and and th that is a useful tool that the, the intellect can provide for you the problem isn't in those things inherently it's when you become obsessed with them and you can't see anything outside of it where you're always living in anxiety about oh what if this and what happens if that or, or we're like oh i should have done that that's the part where it's it's becoming neurotic and, and like unhealthy for you so you have to find that balance in between you know and i just mm -hmm. wanted to throw that in there to kind of caveat that again the, that black and white thinking that gets kind of thrown mm -hmm. around a bit too much yeah uh what that brings up for me too is how you know um when you're staying stuck in you know the past or staying stuck you know in the future you know only dreaming you know um that's where you can become stagnant. But when you're stepping into that now, uh, you're really breaking that stagnation because it, what is it? It's Vardandi. It's the ever-becoming present moment. So it's it's always evolving. So when you can become present in that, you automatically get yourself out of that stagnation. It's flowing because it's current. Current. Yeah, nice. yes. currently. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> awesome. Um, Wonderful. Uh, well, you know, I think this has been a, you know, uh, a really great, you know, talk here, Ryan. We, we love obviously having you on. Definitely have to do it again. Um, do you want to kind of let people know where to find you? Maybe, you know, some exciting things that you're working on, kind of any, any projects you want to get people get the word out there about? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the very first one that comes to heart is the three of us out in Sequoia next year, baby. Come on. Yeah, hey. <laughs> Yeah, we you know we actually have not um, you know talked too much about that publicly, but you know, not that I have mm -hmm. you know any problem with that. But you know, yeah, we yeah. we are planning we're planning some some real life events that people can come be a part of and experience. You know, remembering the tribe and and learning life changing uh, knowledge and tools and healing techniques. I mean. This is really going to be some next level shit. So you know, I, I encourage everyone to definitely stay tuned and, and, and stay with us on this uh, journey with the Wizard Factory because it's going to be some some epic shit going down. And so yeah, to like to continue that, you know, um, we have asked Ryan to to join and, and be part of our team for you know facilitating that very first event at least. No idea what you know the future after that would hold. But uh, we will be collaborating and, and making sure that that event is going to bring the most value 
you know, as possible to to the people that are, you know, in attendance there. So absolutely, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. So, uh, so where, what else? else can what else you got, in, brother? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have a lot of things always going on. The the probably the most current one is the beginning of August. I'm doing a three to five day um, online challenge. It's gonna be completely free. We're going to be tapping into it's going to be a men's only group and we're going to be tapping into things like purpose, being present with your body, being learning how to be weird and still love the fuck out of yourself anyways. And yeah. we're going to have people like Elliot Holes, JP Sears, oh, Dan Weisman, like squad's mm. going to be on there. So that's probably Beautiful. the biggest thing right now. Um, and people could just follow me on Instagram, Ryan underscore the underscore Lionheart. Or hit me up on Facebook. Just my name, Brian Bowditch. Yeah, we got all those links down there in the in the description. So if you guys awesome. want to follow Ryan and his and his stuff, it's right there for you. So De yeah. and, and definitely recommend for sure because I mean the the content that you as well as you know um, with the whole Mystic Misfit crew, you guys put out excellent you know excellent content, a lot of great material, very inspirational and, and very you know heart based too. You know you guys have a great chemistry together and. Um, you know, I definitely recommend people check out your guys' channel, for sure. Yeah, totally. thank you, man. Right on. No awesome. All right, well, again, yeah. yeah I guess this I is going to wrap up tonight's episode. So, you know, thanks, everyone, for watching. Of course, as always, if you appreciate the content, please, get, you know, take that half a second to get to like the video so that we continue to grow as a channel and more people can, you know, receive the empowerment, empowering message that we're trying to spread. You know, uh, subscribe and hit the notifications so that you see uh, when, when our new episodes post every Friday night. And as always, thank you for watching. And until then, be empowered, inspired, and encouraged. Thank you for listening to the Wizard Factory Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.